So I hope uh, people can hear me all right. <coughs> I've obviously picked up a little bit of uh, Northumberland welcoming, a bit of a cold. <laughs> Just like really being back home again. <coughs> so on this occasion of Vesak, <coughs> commemoration of the birth and awakening and passing away of the Buddha, and, uh, of course, in this, there's a, uh, not only a particular human being, but there's also a process. I can say that uh, you know, we're all, we've all been born, and whether we know it or not, we're all going to pass away. But the enlightenment is optional, voluntary. <laughs> it's not guaranteed. <clears throat> but this is what the Buddha really gave us as a legacy. Because all human beings are born and died, but not everyone is awakened. So in one way, this is a, as you can say, a story of one particular human being, but it's also opening up a possibility for all of us. And Buddha was some person, someone who, a human being, just like you and I, and who, through his own spiritual striving, his own sincerity, was able to realize the truth of the way things are. <clears throat> It's said in the uh, scriptures that for every Buddha, there's 500 silent Buddhas. So fortunately, this Buddha, Gotama Buddha, was not a silent Buddha. He did have the compassion to teach. And so we have a, a, a record of his teachings available to us. And especially nowadays, we have the translation of the scriptures. When I was interested in the Buddhist teachings, Forty-five years ago, I had to go to traveling to Asia because there wasn't any opportunity in, in Canada at that time. But nowadays, right here in Northumberland, right on your doorstep. And as Ajahn Indo mentioned, uh, I'm sort of in semi-retirement, worn out from building monasteries. <laughs> but I still am reasonably compass mentis. So I spend my time traveling around to some of the new monasteries. And now there are branches of Ajahn Chah's tradition all over the world. <clears throat> I was in February, I was in Australia. And then on the way here, I stopped in Italy and Switzerland. And, and before I finish, I go to Ireland and France. And <clears throat> so it's, a, it's quite a life for a wandering monk nowadays. <laughs> We say we don't have to go on our, what they call in Thai, Tudong. Tudong means to go wandering in the countryside, which I did as a young monk in Thailand, but I had to walk. Nowadays, I go by airplane. <laughs> I don't know if it's being lazy or being a modern monk. <laughs> but when we, we do reflect upon, on an occasion like this, is an opportunity to reflect upon what is really the Buddha to us. The Buddha means the one who knows that possibility of awakening. You know, how is that different than everything else we come across these days? Buddha was reminding us to be awake to the way things are. And generally speaking, I tend to see it in terms of, you know, it's, it's, uh, we have to make some effort to be enlightened to the darkness. It doesn't take any effort to be enlightened to the light. But to the darkness, that's where we need to put some effort into being enlightened or awakened 
to what we don't know. So this is an area which maybe requires some effort. And for example, you know, I think most people are a bit resistant to wake up to the unpleasant aspects of our being. I don't know, I mean, I just take an example of myself. You know, I'm, I'm very eager to be awake to the fact how wise and how compassionate I am, <clears throat> but not so keen to be awakened to how deluded and how confused I am, you see. Well, that's an area that requires some effort. Where the Buddha pointed out uh, three areas to be awake to are greed, aversion, delusion. These what what hindered us hinders us from being awakened to the truth. Uh, so, I mean, just practically speaking, how many of us could really acknowledge our greed, or our aversion, or our delusion? But this is what the Buddha points out. This is what we need to know about. This is what it is to be to know to know these aspects of our being. You know, some people might say, "Oh, if I acknowledge my greed, it'll take me over." However, when you actually do it, when you become the one who knows the greed, then you're the knower of it and not the doer of it. That's the very special aspect of the Buddha's teachings of mindfulness or awareness. If we put our energy into being aware of these things, the one that knows them, rather than the doing of them, then it's a quite a different relationship. The greed can be there, aversion can be there, delusion can be there, but we aren't greedy or, or angry or deluded. We're the one who knows it instead. Very simple, but quite a profound shift of consciousness. You see, if you can recognize it sometime, you know, what's going on in this mind and body right now? Can I really acknowledge it? That's the way things are. And we can, we can begin to acknowledge that. We become the knowing. You can say the Buddha, the one who knows. Whether it's so-called pleasant or unpleasant, that's an extra step. First we know it. And then with our training, recognizing you know, the qualities of the Buddha, begin to recognize what is skillful, what's not so skillful. We can see this directly in our own life. <clears throat> if we act from a state of greed, we find out we, we suffer eventually. Maybe not immediately, you know. You know, when I, when I immediately eat that extra cream puff, I don't suffer. But later, I got a stomachache. <laughs> but, but, you know, we've got to look at the long-term perspective. We can see it directly. Right? We don't need to believe the Buddha's teachings. We have the trust in it and put it into practice, and we see the results for ourselves. And when I was a student, I was, uh, I was studying science. And so when somebody gave me a book on Buddhism, first of all, I thought, oh, no, no, this isn't scientific. But fortunately, I, had the, I did read the book, and my interpretation was, this is very scientific, based upon the principle of cause and effect. <clears throat> the Buddha is not asking us just to believe it. He gives us these particular practices to do, and then you follow them, and you find out cause and effect. You see the results for yourself. But this requires we practice. That's why in every, every one of our services here, we introduce meditation practice. And nowadays, probably many of you have heard about meditation. It's become quite trendy even. Mindfulness. I just saw something on the BBC yesterday about mindfulness practice. And when I was on the plane from Sydney in, earlier this year, on, the, on one of the uh, videos they had on the plane, it was about somebody who... Uh, an Englishman 
who had some mental problems, and he decided to try to find a solution to it. And one of his solutions was practicing mindfulness. And he only had to practice 10 minutes a day, <clears throat> but every day for seven weeks. Who will take up the challenge? Hmm? 10 minutes a day, I mean, you got, I got 24 hours in a day, 10 minutes a day. <clears throat> the thing is you have to do it every day, you see. But he did find, he did do it for seven weeks, and he found that his, his, mind, his brain changed. He did some brain scans on him, and he found that the brain actually changed. And he even admitted, gee, I even feel happier. <laughs> and the article on the BBC, this would only appeal to somebody, some people maybe, it was about how people who did meditation, mindfulness meditation, they were even more attractive. Hmm. That's not, not why I practice, but... <laughs> Might appeal to some people. <laughs> and they even had pictures of before and after. See? People looking very stressed, their eyes sunk back in their head, and then the next picture was smiling. <laughs> and they looked younger, too. <laughs> well, we're here for enlightenment, right? Not for beauty, right? <laughs> but on a day like today, it's an opportunity to reflect what it is what is the Buddha's teaching about awakening? awakening? Awakening to the way things really are. Whenever you notice any states of mind arising, just try and acknowledge them. Don't need to figure them out. Don't need to sort them out. Just be aware of them. And when you're aware of them, you become that knowing quality, the one that knows this, this state of mind. And you can see the effects yourself. If you notice aversion arising in your mind, you can acknowledge it. You also see it doesn't feel very good. You know, my heart is, is contracted, and I don't feel very happy about it, I don't feel very comfortable with it. Well, you know then, it's unskillful, so you can change it. When you know what these states of mind are, then you have some ability to change them. You can hold on to it if you want and suffer more, or you can learn to release it and experience more peace of mind. We have a choice now, when we, we learn about our mind, we have a choice to follow it or to train it more skillfully. So the Buddha gives us this legacy. And especially nowadays, it's very important that people follow it and practice it. There are so many people in the world today, and if we haven't got wise people, it can be a very dangerous place. So we are the ones who have this legacy, so hopefully you'll be able to put it into practice. Ten minutes a day for seven weeks, see what happens. Just give it, a, give it as a little challenge for yourself. Just ten minutes a day for seven weeks. See what happens, if you feel better or not. By that time, I'll be gone, so you can't blame me. <laughs> but you see for yourself. You find out for yourself. Know for yourself. This is pachatang, we say in the Pali language, to be seen each person for themselves. So hopefully we'll be able to make use of these teachings while they're still available to, to us <clears throat> and put them into practice and see the results for yourself. So I wish you all the best on this occasion and wish you all the best in your practice in the future.